guys and girls, and welcome to episode 175 of the F-Reality Podcast. Sit back and relax as we inject this week's top VR news straight into your ears. We're going to be talking about some sad news about Resident Evil Village and the rumoured Resident Evil 4 remake. We're going to be uh, giving you our thoughts on Hitman 3's VR mode on the PlayStation VR and talk about some fresh rumours of an upcoming VR and AR headset from Apple. To round up the show, Zem has got some new releases for you to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team and find out what's been their highlight of the week this week. And also let us know what you played in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up, there's only one thing that can stop this hitman from taking down his target, and that is his mortal enemy, only known mysteriously as The Grid. <laughs> his VR streamer, Assassin, top five. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, um, how am I doing? Grid probably answers that one, my god. Um, we'll mm. go into that a little bit later. Um, heavy week, but glad to shove a couple of streams in towards the, the tail end of the week, playing absolute tripe. Um, I do like that. It makes for a good show. My highlight of the week is going to be, um, because it was horror-inspired, um, I did two horror things I'll, I'll mention. So the first thing I did was a terrible little title on Oculus Home called The Seven Mile Ritual, in which case... A, a perturbed truck driver, like a like a pickup or a tow truck tow truck driver, uh, is 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 ramming your pizza delivery car. You have to deliver pizzas to houses quickly to make money, upgrade your car, try to survive to the end. Uh, in the end, I got four out of five chapters in, and then the game crashed, and I said, "Feck this," and I got out. So <laughs> oh God. that was that was a horror game abandoned. And the other little experiment I did this week, um, which which I, I talked a little bit out on on Twitter was I said, you know what? I feel like it's been about time. I need to see if VR is good uh, just to watch a full-on film. So I was like, all right, I'll take a relatively short film. Took the film Unfriended on Netflix, sat down with the Netflix app. So I sat down, I laid down on my floor with the Netflix app, the soft strap on the back because I'm still waiting on my Elite strap to get re repaired, replaced. Um, and I just watched the whole thing. So it was like hour 10, hour 20 or something. And I, the thing I noticed, I was like, Resolution's not very good in this app. Um, this is not great. And I don't know if it's like 420p or, or 480p I've even heard from others, but the Netflix app at the moment is not sharp. It's not crisp. So if you want to watch some like 4K nature documentary, your eyes are going to hurt a little bit. And I don't mean, mm. I just mean it doesn't look so pretty. There is a trick that you can use, which works excellently. Um, if you happen to have a PC, you use virtual desktop. And with virtual desktop, you can pick whatever environment you want, sitting at a desk, uh, home theaters, space, all that kind of thing. Yep. And you get really crisp. You get what the panel can deliver. So my ask out there is right now is just, I hope that Netflix, and if Netflix aren't looking at this, that maybe Oculus can give them a nudge, you know, and get that resolution sorted. And I think this is something that's actually common. They probably just didn't think to launch, the, relaunch the app or do any work on it at all. I don't know if the same is true for Amazon Video, but those two apps are a great thing, especially if you're sick, you're laid up, or you're just like fed up with your week like I was. Sit back, watch some horror, watch someone else go through torture. It makes you feel a little bit warm inside. So Definitely. You have, you, have, you tried, have you tried watching a 3D movie in VR yet? Um, I have. I'm trying to think if I've done it in virtual desktop. There's a few different apps that'll let you do that. Yeah. There are 4D experiences that are really cool. So there's like a M Michael Jackson thriller where you're sitting in a in like a theater and there's smoke and like zombie cutout zombies and stuff like that in a theater in VR. It, it's neat. So 4D stuff is fun, but you can find all kinds of side by side 3D stuff, which the 3D looks better than 
you know, you'd, you'd ever seen it in a cinema. It sounds Definitely. like you've got some experience with that. Yeah, 100%. Like, one of my favorite movies uh, is Dread, like Judge Dread, the remake one with Carl Urban in. I just and, watched um, that this week, actually. You, you mentioned it. I watched it. It's a bloody film. Jesus It's Christ. great. And and in 3D as well, it looks amazing because all those, like, kind of slow-mo scenes with, like, water and, and dust and stuff and bullets being flying through the air is great in 3d so yeah i'd highly recommend anyone to go and check out a 3d movie in vr and definitely dread is one if you like kind of violent action movies and and it stars i don't know if it, this must have been pre game of thrones but it stars your lady from because it was a 2012 film i think that's right Star, yep stars your lady from uh, from game of thrones the evil sister yep you're right tch cersei yeah. She's amazing in that. Yeah, she's great, she's great, great in that film. Good, good Mama. recommendation, Mike. I, I enjoyed Dread. Uh, yeah. if, if you like Dread and you want similar sort of vibe, uh, then The Raid and Raid Two: Redemption are also two very good action violent movies. So go check those Sweet. out as well. I will do. But uh, next up, he may look cute and fluffy, but don't let this uh, deceive you. If you get too close, he will chew your face off. <laughs> it's the one and only Rowdy VR. How you doing, Rowdy? You all right? I'm, I'm doing really, really well. I'm really excited for this show to have a, a very good friend of mine on here as well. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to have a little chat with, with him about the stuff that he's been doing. Um, but my highlight of this week has been uh, definitely a thing that we talked about last week, which was uh, Battlescar. Mm. Um, so I tried it out uh, and I was, I have to say, I was really impressed and it just shows that, you know, virtual reality is not only a gaming platform, it can be used, you know, way beyond that kind of thing. Uh, than just like playing games on it and I have to say like it, it, it literally felt like I went to like like a, a new form of theater yeah and especially yeah. during these times it, it's it's really welcome to have an experience like that since you know we, we can't pretty much go anywhere we have an evening curfew here ever, even so it, it's it's a very welcome change of things of like you know getting a little bit out of like you know the, the the drag of the day and to 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 go into something like this and I, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities of you know, like a, a novel form of media, because not only do they they tell a very interesting story, uh, the way that they tell it in is, is really well done, uh, but especially the way that they play with visuals is, yeah. uh, is I think, is, so is I was going to say, Rowdy, for people listening who, who didn't catch last week's episode where we went into depth about it, can you explain a little mm -hmm. bit about what Battlescar is? Because it sounds yeah. like a war film, but... Yeah, like it's 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 a story about two girls uh, to told from the perspective from one of them. I swear um, the rest of the sentence was going to say and a cup, but anyway, go and on. And a cup. <laughs> <laughs> no cups involved. <laughs> and um, I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but um, it's 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 a story about how they how they're starting a music band, basically, and you know the kind of things that they go through in order to to get to a certain point. Um, but the, you really need to just try it in order to like, experience because it's not. I wouldn't say like the story is incredibly good or like the uh, you know the the way that it's being told is not very spectacular. But it's the combination of all those three things: the way that the story is made, the way that it is told, because the audio in it is also is very mm. well done. It's binaural. It's you know like they do really cool things with that. It's situational, but that combined with the with the visuals is just it's just incredible yeah. the things that i liked the most were the kind of like um 3d puppetry where you have like this like little puppet in front of you that was playing out a scene 
that looked like you were were were, were you know you were overlooking into like uh, into that scene. I would love to see like even movies made like that mm. uh, in that similar style where you have like you, you switch from perspective to get like little puppet view, but also that first person view. Imagine like a movie like I don't know like Lord of the Rings or something like that being made in a style like that playing around with the with the visuals and what they did really well as well and i think that's a very hard thing to do in virtual reality is um when you make 360 video which this is by the way it's very hard to like direct attention of the viewer to where they actually need to look since a lot of like you know there's so much stuff going on around you and you might miss things that are actually important to the story but with this i didn't have that at all because they play around with text and they play around with audio so you immediately focus on the place where you actually need to look uh, which I think is just very well done. So if, if people want to try it out, it's about a, I would say in total, like a 30 minutes experience, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it contains out of uh, three chapters, if I'm correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's probably one of the best things that I've tried in VR that was not uh, a VR game. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that you yeah. called it theater because last week I, I'd only played the first chapter. And I think my, 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 my roundhouse opinion on, on Battlescar is, is that, it's it like I wanted a lot more of it, and that's always a compliment that I think you give to things that are short and sweet. Um, and I just want it like the the thing that stood out to me is it the how much it chops and changes right the way through, so it really keeps your attention. Like I never felt the need to check my phone or you know to stop. Like you don't want to stop. You just you're gonna eat the thing in in one sitting. So. And the length for it is just perfect. Yeah, for this story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great for kind of like an after work thing. You're like, oh, I've got half an hour spare, just fire away yeah yeah nice solid recommendation there so uh next up standing in for Nathie this week he's the slippery snake of vr a crack shot with broad enough shoulders to carry the team and the only guy that i've ever known to be kicked out of oculus connect for wearing spandex <laughs> it's of course the lonely viper how you doing dude hey guys how's it going oh man that's a, that is such an amazing intro i mean that Thank must have you. taken you hours to come up with. I love it. <laughs> Many hours. <laughs> Need you to write for my channel, please. <laughs> oh, man, that brings back memories getting kicked out of Oculus Connect. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Just seeing you escorted out by two guards. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse so, me, five. excuse me, sir. You, you've got foam swords. You are a threat to the community. You need to leave. <laughs> and, and the funniest part was that one of the guard was wearing those socks. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he's like, he's like, like, hey, that's right. He brought me outside. He's like, hey, bro. Like, hey, hey, listen, nothing personal, right? And then he shows me his socks, and it's like Deadpool. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that was so, such an epic show. So do you we have any this, uh, this highlights this week, um, Viper, anything you've been into that you want to share, something you've really enjoyed just recently? Yeah, absolutely. So the most recent thing I was doing was I was playing in a grapple, arena, grapple tournament competition mm. with just some other streamers, and it was an absolute blast it's it's the weirdest thing i suppose it's a bit of a dichotomy you see now with vr games where if they don't have quest support there's just no there's there's so little momentum sometimes with getting a player base with just pc vr only and i know a lot of people complain about you know uh facebook coming in and sort of taking over the vr play space but without facebook i mean you just you really see that there's just not much of a market for developers to invest and build a game and a player base. Mm. Um, so the reason I, I sort of slipped off on that tangent is because it is one of the most fun games I've played in virtual reality. And Zim, you would love it. Because I, the thing is, it's, it's like Unreal Tournament had sex with Pathfinder from Apex Legends, and they made mm. a little baby, and it's just, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's so three-dimensional. It's, it's just fun in, in a kind of like old-school Halo way, but also 
just flying around the place and like on grapplings. You obviously you gotta have good VR legs, but it, it's an absolute blast. So we had a tournament. It was great. I was I was in the lead. We were we were top of the board, highest in damage, winning rounds, dominating our opponents. And what do you know? My internet connection craps out, and I was gone. Yeah, that was me. Up. <laughs> That's Ireland for you, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Poor guy. Poor and guy. is this a uh, grapple tournament only on Steam right now, or is it even released yet? It's only on Steam. It's due to drop in the Oculus Store soon. Right. Uh, the developers it's, it's, are looking such to a bring shame. it into the Quest. But because if you look at the game, that game would work so well on Quest. I, I, I just know that Quest users would love that. And having wireless freedom playing that game is, uh, you know, just almost a, you know, a necessity for this so, for this title. I'm confused. Is this? Is it called Grapple Tournament, or the game is Grapple VR and you had a tournament? So, so first of all, I want to be clear about something, Zim. I didn't tell you about this game because I wanted to enjoy it for a little while before you came in and kicked my ass. Because okay? <laughs> while I'm an amazing sniper and I'm great, I'm amazing at shooters. Okay, Zim shows up in a game like Solaris and proceeds to whip out a mop, and he wipes the freaking floor with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't tell you about it. So it's called Grapple Tournament. Um, it's it, it. You know what? They even have weapons in it that are kind of almost very similar mechanically to Unreal Tournament. Um, so it really just it just has that great kind of just gels perfectly and the primary method of kind of movement for the player yep. is a grappling hook on their left arm so you're, you're you're also you're shooting with one hand you're grappling with your left hand so you're not even grappling in within your field of view sometimes i'm like i throw my hand behind me and i grapple away while i'm blasting at somebody um and it's and you change directions quickly with the grapple as well so it's really fun you're just throwing yourself around with it it, it sounds a bunch like um there, there was an old quake mod called quake world and it featured a grappling hook, and I think that was one of the first multiplayer, like fast-paced, you know, games. That this is, of course, a flat game from what 25 years ago or something now. But my God, um, it does sound like my kind of thing. So I will. This is what uh, Steam VR title is that? Steam where VR can... title, yeah, yeah. Steam VR title. Um, I'd say there'll probably be another kind of event soon. We'll kind of we'll get something going. That's good. Me. I'll take you down this time. Sounds good. It sounds like a mix of like, uh, you know, like Unreal Tournament and like Winlands or something like that. Is that kind of what exactly. it feels like? Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, I can't describe it. Like they got, they, it really feels like they nailed the art style for the game really well. Uh, it's kind of has a cell shaded feel to it, but you don't really notice the cell shadedness because there's enough detail to really make it all pop. Um, and you just sort of get immersed in the whole thing. There's so much detail, but you don't, because you're moving so fast, you tend not to notice it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I really feel like it's, it's such a perfect title for what it's doing. And I feel it's a great competitive title. So the interesting part about doing that event over the weekend was, you know, you were seeing how it kind of worked in a competitive context with players, you know, kind of out, out for, you know, uh, ever and out for themselves. But there was no spectate cam. So what they were doing is they were hopping between everyone's streams. To kind of highlight what was going on mm. so i think it, it reminded me of the early days of competitive onward where we would like like what you see right now we would grab people's individual streams and overlay them and in a single stream to kind of almost portray the story of a competitive match let me tell you that was tricky <laughs> <laughs> and so is this like kind of stolen your heart at the moment you're it's kind of like uh, taking you away from other competitive games uh i mean yes and no so i mean well, I really enjoyed it's kind of like you could jump in and just fly around the place. Uh, I'm still very much committed to kicking ass in, in kind of more hardcore shooters like Onward. Like uh, we've got a – so after this podcast, I'll be hopping into a, a custom map tournament with my boys boss fight. Uh, we're currently third best in the world, you know, just a little thrown out there. Look, we're really <laughs> the best, but we, just, we don't want to steal the spotlight too much. 
So, <laughs> so yeah, we were having to do a custom map tournament and onward. And what that involves is it's it's fan made maps, uh, kind of like you know you, you get them through the workshop in the game. Um, it's it's cross play with the quest. Um, and you know we're trying out different maps to see what we want to bring into the competitive league season this year. Nice. And maybe like for people that don't uh, know who you are that are in the stream and wondering, like, we've got a question like, which terrorist group does this guy belong to? <laughs> um, maybe maybe we should uh, explain who you are and what you do, Viper. All right, all right, all right. Let's hold up a second. Are you suggesting people don't know who the F I am? Some people don't, apparently, which is, <laughs> I'm surprised about it as well. I know a terrorist group. <laughs> all right, 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 okay. Let's let's not go there, Zim. Let's just whoa. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know. Okay. Twenty twenty one is a bit rough. I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. So I'm the Lonely Viper. I uh, play first person shooters mostly and kind of screw around with other things. And I make YouTube videos and I stream. And I mean, I don't really know. It's hard to describe what I do because I just do it. You know, I never really thought about it too much. I, to be honest, I'm the man being propelled by the 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 idea of me. Oh. Yeah, I'm just amazing, and that's just propelling me through time and space. So I'm just going with the flow here. I'm riding this wave of craziness. But you've been you've been integrated into like the competitive VR scene for like since its inception, pretty much. Oh, right? Yeah, 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 for forever. So to give you a bit of background, I started playing Armored the first day it came out. It was the first shooter in the virtual reality PC, you know, market at the time. Um, so I was straight in on that because I loved it. I mean, even before that, there were kind of these like uh, these these you know prototype shooters people were coming out with, and they were a blast. Uh, Onward was the first one to hit the market, and I immediately fell in love with it. It was the best experience I ever had. It was so immersive. Yeah, it, the closest thing I could liken it to was playing paintball. Only you know when you would slap someone in the back of the head in paintball, they would tend to physically assault you. Whereas in this, you could do whatever you want to people. and There's no consequences. So, so uh, I mean, I was playing it one night. I was I was screwing around, you know. I had this this close encounter with somebody where, you know, I walked into a room and I kind of thought he was in there. I wasn't sure. And he's staring right at me. I'm staring right at him. We're both trying to shoot each other. But, you know, being so new to VR and, and shooters, we didn't know. So we're both click, 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 click. Our guns were empty. And we're like, oh, geez. So I'm fumbling, panicking on my load, my gear. I'm just like, oh, Jesus, because I know I've got a knife. So I pull it out. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I'm stabbing this guy. He's like crying my eyes out. This because it was so visceral, so real. And uh, I was, I just, oh, man, I lost. So, so coming out, I, I had, I just so happened to have a video shadow play. So I, cl I clipped it. And I was like, you know, I want to share this. I want to show some friends. And I was like, but at the same time, I don't want to put this on my personal YouTube channel because I don't ever want to be identified as a twit. So what I did was I made I made the Lonely Viper because at the time I was like, well, Viper's my gamer name and I'm so fucking lonely. So I made it and it kind of went from there. I didn't, I didn't even have a logo. It was just a, a channel I threw up and I, I think someone shared the video on Reddit or something. And uh, from there, it got picked up by like the daily star or something <laughs> with an article yeah. titled crazed gamer hacks yeah. you know player like, to death and like, it's like just, just to sketch this for a moment the guy that we have in the podcast right now almost single-handedly canceled the entire vr market <laughs> because of that one video he made <laughs> yeah oh man like jesus it was it was crazy so i kind of just went from there and just kind of just got into things and, and so the competitive VR, the onward scene, came about quite quickly. If you could imagine, there was a lot of people playing this game, um, you know, and they started to realize, okay, well, it's a 5v5, or at the time, 4v4, uh, team-based tactical shooter. You know, why don't we prearrange the teams and play together? So 
what cropped up initially were these weekend tournaments um, where, you know, like people would jump in and like they'd, they'd form teams, they'd sign up and they'd, you know, we organized and played. Um, I think at the time it was a guy called Incremental Death set, set, set it up and, you know, it was kind of then my, myself and my buddy Radarhead started helping out and organizing that stuff. And then from there, it kind of evolved uh, into a league. Um, so initially, I think Dakinman, the founder of VRL, had set up a, a, a like a, a night, something like a night league or something like that, mm. which then merged with the weekend tournaments because they were taking hours um, into the VRML league. Uh, and so from there, you know, we started having these seasons where, you know, uh, we would just pit teams against each other week on week, and that would culminate in this, you know, big event at the end of it. And uh, before nice. we knew it, it kind of just, it just grew legs. You know, Oculus started knocking on our door, you know, saying, hey, we want to, you know, make VR esports a thing. Can we, can we, you know, put this on the big screen? Can we, can we host it on Twitch? Can we make it a thing? And, you know, one thing led to another. But like I mentioned, in the early days of this, we were restreaming people's streams to like to, to cast these matches. It was only after the developers actually put in a proper spectate cam, mm. it really opened up the potential for what this could do. And that's when Oculus really took notice. Nice. Yeah. And I think what we're going to do is like later on in the show, we're going to sort of delve a little bit deeper into like the VR competitive scene and like where you think it is now and into and like how it's developed over the years and how things have changed. Because like you say, there was a lot of investment uh, from Oculus uh, for like VR esports, especially around events like Oculus Connect. But when then we saw that kind of die off a little bit. So it'll be interesting to get your perspective on that. So we'll uh, we'll be talking more about that later. So that is uh, the Lonely Viper. I kind of kind of. I kind of compare him to like the Dr. Disrespect of VR. Uh, if, if you if you want to go and check out his video, we've linked uh, his YouTube channel in the description down below. But like uh, the gameplay is just top notch and, and obviously really, really fun as well. So go and check out his videos uh, there. Um, so uh, before we get into what I uh, played this week, let's see what the chat have been up to. Have they got any good recommendations of stuff that they've been picking up this week? Yeah, so uh, I asked a question as well, and I saw like a couple of things uh, uh, popping up. We had uh, Dark Angel 3. She said that uh, she played the usual suspects, uh, puzzling places and a buttload of Solaris. Uh, and also Mr. Trinidad played a lot of Solaris and also Population 1 uh, this week. Uh, then I noticed that Paradise Decay, he, uh, Paradise Decay, he played uh, Warplane on Quest 2 mm -hmm. through side quests, and he said that it was a superb uh, World War One dogfighting uh, experience. So we had uh, those kind of things are the ones that I saw popping up. But I see people are posting in now as well that they played uh, Doom Three. Nice. So that's the the quest uh, version, I guess that uh, that is being. Um, was was modded to it yeah. and then uh warplane i see that popping up again nice nice solid recommendations there so my highlight of the week uh, this week is of course hitman 3 uh, i've been playing it a lot in both pancake and vr mode uh, but we're going to be talking about that in a bit more detail later on uh, i think both uh zim and i have played it have you guys played hitman 3 no. in vr yet no, I had to leave my PlayStation behind in Belgium oh, yeah. <laughs> dude That's what about you viper I... you don't have, you you're not a psvr guy to be honest you know being an actual hitman, it, it's just boring. The concept is boring to me. That, that's understandable. <laughs> that's understandable. No, uh, I don't actually own PSVR, so it's, it's kind of never been a thing for me. I've always been just disappointed when things get kind of announced for PSVR and never make it to PC. Yeah, and I'm sure you probably have something to say about 
maybe some of the stuff we're going to be talking about anyway. But uh, yeah, me and Zim will uh, dive into that a little bit more uh, later on in the show. But let's get into the news first. But before, of course, we get into the news, I want to thank the sponsor of this week's show. And that is, of course, Synth Riders. They've sponsored us again, and uh, we're very, very grateful. And if you're not familiar with Synth Riders, it's a fun VR rhythm game from the fine folks over at Kluge Interactive. And Synth Riders stands apart from other VR music rhythm games as it encourages you to bust out some freestyle dance move and just kind of cut loose to the music. And you can do this solo, or you can ride the rails against other people online in their excellent online multiplayer mode. Synth Riders have just released their latest Synthwave Essentials Pack 2, which contains one of the best tracks yet, which is Algorithm from Muse. If you haven't tried it yet and you're a fan of Synth Riders, you've definitely got to put it on your wish list. It's a really standout track. They've really mixed up the style with that one. So go and check out Synth Riders, which is available now on Steam, Oculus Rift, and Oculus Quest. Links are in the description down below. I want to just make a comment about Synth Riders because <clears throat> having played, again, Beat Saber, I, I, I just think that uh, Beat Games and, and obviously now Facebook, who own Beat Games, um, have missed such a trip on this. And if you're really looking for a game to play with friends, I can't recommend Beat Saber because multiplayer doesn't even have VoIP, and it's a real pain in the balls to go and set that up. But yep. Synth Riders, you can you easily hop in and you're you're playing with strangers or friends if you want. And they've got a really nice kind of eclectic mix of, of, of sounds. Um, they keep adding as well, which is great yeah. to see them thrive. I, I'm, still, I'm still a big fan of the of the jazzy jazzy tunes, oh, yeah. the jazzy funk yeah. that they have. It's it's so such a unique kind of thing, and it works so well with the with the kind of way that you need to interact with those uh, I forgot about those that. rails. Uh, and also, I like the different kind of movements that they have because uh, I, I tried the new pack as well. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the of the although I like Muse. I don't think that the the tracks really lent the, to it uh, for for this particular thing but i do like the other songs in the pack like especially mm -hmm. the remixes I, I don't know why but i always feel like they with, with a remix it's so much nicer to do because they, they work with beats and they play around with beats which makes it more interesting to play uh play a game uh, on it uh, so yeah yeah absolutely yeah and uh, we might have some uh, cool giveaway uh, to announce next week so make sure you stay tuned for that as well um, so let's get into the news. Uh, first bit of news this week is some sad news, unfortunately, and that is about two Resident Evil games. Now, the first one, you may remember a few months ago, there was a few sort of rumors floating around that we might be getting a remake of Resident Evil 4 in VR. And this kind of uh, information came from a supposed data breach at Capcom, which ultimately led, uh, leaked online. And the rumors were kind of spelling out that it was going to be Resident Evil 4 remade in VR and would come to Oculus Quest around sort of April this year. Now, as a huge fan of Resident Evil, I was super excited about this news, and especially as Resident Evil 4 is like actually one of my favorites from the series. Um, so you had that sort of in the bag that we were kind of looking forward to and hoping that that was going to be a thing. And then on top of that, you also had Resident Evil 8, known as Resident Evil Village, which was announced as coming to all major gaming platforms this year. Now, as we know with Resident Evil 7, it had a VR mode, but it was exclusive to the PSVR, and that released way back in like 2017. And we hoped back then and in the subsequent years that we would eventually get a PC port of Resident Evil's VR mode, but sadly to this day, that has never happened. So when we had the news of this Resident Evil 4 VR port and then obviously Resident Evil 8 coming, we kind of hoped that we were going to get two Resident Evil VR games potentially on the horizon. But roll on this week, Capcom had a Resident Evil showcase event on Thursday uh, to kind of share their plans with the series going forward. And 
unfortunately, we didn't get any announcements about any of the VR support, and they didn't even mention VR at all, actually. So um, it's kind of sad that at this point, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, I don't think. What do you oh, guys no. think? Like it's... <laughs> See, the thing is, I've, I've been so head down this week that I, 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 I thought they had made a statement because of all the Beckon news articles around. I thought they made a statement that VR wasn't coming. One thing that they did confirm, which I find really interesting and goes against this thought of, oh, maybe the VR surprise is coming later, is that they're first person. You know, a lot of the, the Resident Evil games through the entire chapter up to like Resident Evil 7, the majority of them have been third person. And then... <laughs> In this one, they, they make this, you know, in this unveiling, they made this specific comment about how engaging they felt first person was. So if these guys have the fecking gall to put it in first person and not go VR after how much a hit, you know, Resident Evil 7 was, I, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. I just, I can't imagine that this would not come to VR. So for me, I'm, although they haven't mentioned it in this showcase, I feel like they're keeping it as, as a, as a, punch point later or maybe they've got it planned as a separate pipeline i know you're gonna douse my yeah my my, my uh my wishes here but i just can't see it making sense any other way i think it's coming out in may uh if i'm not mistaken the game's launching in may so i don't know i think the issue around this is and we'll probably delve more into this when we talk about hitman 3 in vr as well is that we know that sony are kind of taking their foot off the gas when it comes to vr at the moment um you know certainly around the launch of the ps5 we thought, you know, months back that there might be a new headset announced, but then they came out and sort of, like you said, doused the sort of flames and said, look, we're not investing in VR in the near term future. It's yeah. maybe like a year or maybe even two years away before we bring a second gen PSVR headset to market. And we all kind of cried a little bit, got over it. But this this is now it looks like it's having an effect on some of the game launches because like we're going to touch on with Hitman 3, you've got games launching on PS5, which obviously take advantage of the new hardware, but the PSVR doesn't take advantage of the new hardware. The the way that most games implement VR, even on the PS5, is through like a backwards compatible mode. So they're basically running in like a PS4 mode, um, which isn't ideal. And yeah, I just don't think that as this game is going to be like a technical showcase for the PS5, although they're going to release it on PS4, um, I just don't think that they're going to invest. Um, and in I think the, in you're also, mode. I think you're kind of right with that previous announcement. And this is the this is the problem. Is I think I think they had clearly from what I see in their trailer. I think they had VR planned. And I think at some stage last year to keep mm. it survivable, they pulled a plug. And yeah. we only heard about it six, six nine months later. And that's it, probably a COVID nineteen survival strategy for the company. You could be uh, completely and also right because and also because like uh, I mean I agree I agree with you both on this, but. Uh, if, if you consider the success that Resident Evil has just in general in all games, like even though it was very successful in the VR, that's just a very small fraction of like what uh, what kind of revenue that they bring from like the general gaming market. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't hurt them in any way if they would scrap the VR portion um, from from getting enough sales. So. Uh, I, I do think that the, that it's not going to happen, and it's probably not because of them not wanting it, but it's just because of the focus from PlayStation shifting yeah. a bit away from VR. Yeah, I agree. But VR aside, um, they did release a demo exclusive to the PS5 as a technical showcase for Resident Evil 8 called the Maiden Demo. And obviously being fortunate enough to have a PS5, I checked out the demo yesterday. And mm. I have to say, initially I was super skeptical of like the whole kind of way they've going with the series. Um, from the trailers, it's more set around like a castle with like vampires. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm into this. 
I played the Maiden demo and it completely like 180 changed my opinion on it. Like the demo is excellent. It is so good. It's around 20 to 30 minutes long. Um, graphically, it's like a real, like it is a technical showcase as to what's capable on PS5, which is really amazing. Um, they've got this incredible sound design, really eerie and creepy vibe going on with this like kind of blood sucking vampire lady with massive boobs. It was just totally awesome. She's my favorite, by the yeah. way. I think I've I just think... perked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you will. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I would say if you've got access to a PS5, I know like stock has been super limited, but definitely check out the Maiden demo. Uh, and I think you'd be like super interested in the new game after that, after playing that demo. Does that so, mean the demo is is only uh, so it's only playable on PS5? Yep. Is is uh, is this game only going to be playable on, on PS5? So the demo is only available right now on PS5, although they said that it will be coming to PC later. So it will be releasing on PC as well. The full game will, uh, along with Xbox, PlayStation. Didn't they say the about Resident Evil 7 as well, that it will come later to PC? Well, the VR mode? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. Like, we, I know we, I remember us talking about it for years and like wanting it. But um, yeah. Your question, Rowdy, is your question instead at, at at the launch of Resident Evil Seven? Didn't they say that it would come to oh. uh, PC later? Is that what you were asking? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I don't remember. I know we wanted it, but I don't remember them ever confirming yeah. it. It's so funny. It's like it's funny this that this happens. But I mean, you get into these um, game series, and you just kind of expect them to be on the platform that you want them to be on. But mm. it isn't always the case. Sometimes they get stuck in a corner and. Yeah, this one just it look like it. They, I love the setting. I re, as a Castlevania fan, like I love the setting. Yeah, the character design looks really good, um, and some of the environmental effects and the lighting, like when when they show in the trailer, those lights like coming up from the floor, and yeah, I just want more Resident Evil. And and they they reinvent themselves. It's not the same tricks every time, and I like that, you know. But it still has the I don't know how they do it. It's, it's maybe the colors, or I haven't figured it out yet. Like what makes it Resident Evil? But it looks and tastes like a resident evil experience you know the, the light is the lighting it's definitely something to do with the lighting because everything just feels dirty like you just yeah. feel grubby afterwards and yeah. you know you, you make your way out into like the kind of castle area and there's a big like glowing chandelier there and it just looks phenomenal uh on the ps5 um so yeah I, i'm hyped for it but of course very uh gutted the fact that we're not going to get it in vr or it doesn't look like it at this point at least and that this you know rumored resident evil 4 vr remake also might not happen because you know this would have been the perfect opportunity to announce it uh and get some hype for it so yeah i think it's looking unlikely at this point but of course if that changes we'll be the first ones to uh let you know obviously we're big fans of the series yeah uh so that is the first bit of news about resident evil so now, kind of keeping on the PSVR sort of theme, let's talk about Hitman 3's VR mode. Um, this is one of the sort of the big game launches of the of the sort of first sort of quarter of the year. Um, you know, Hitman is a well-established series. A lot of people are big fans of it. I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of it. I think the last Hitman game I played was the original, and I didn't touch the second one. So jumping back into Hitman 3 was like my first foray into Hitman for a long, long time. Um, but the VR mode, just like the original Resident Evil 7 game we were talking about earlier, is exclusive to PlayStation VR right now. And like Resident Evil 7, can only be played using the DualShock 4 gamepad and not the PS Move controllers, which are individually tracked motion controllers. Um, this was a big concern for us uh, when we first heard about this news. We talked about it on the show like a little while ago. But when we saw like the kind of VR trailer, it kind of gave us a little bit of hope as the developers at IO Interactive had kind of integrated motion controls using using the DualShock 4. So it's kind of got a light bar on the back of it that is 
you know, tracked. And then you could sort of make some movements with that and kind of gave us a bit of hope that it would be better than uh, we thought it might be. But let's get into the control scheme maybe straight away and get that out of the way. And then we can talk about some of the other stuff. So is there anything you want to say or do you want to jump in first about the control scheme, Zim? Just purely you, you, the yeah, DualShock? Just, just purely because that's the thing that sinks the game for me. Yeah, uh, probably. I mean... I think, and this was something I said last week, and I didn't expect it to come and bite me in the ass, but it has. Um, the fact that they decided to go for DualShock, uh, but not simple DualShock, it's like they're trying to VRify the, the DualShock controller and use it well. Um, it, the, 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 I'll tell you the problem I had. The problem that I had with it, um, with a room set up with my, my PlayStation camera about six feet away from me, um, and and even the view from the PlayStation VR camera in clear sight of the controller and the light and all of that, the game has um, a very sensitive uh, distance, I would say, between the DualShock controller and the headset. That's what I've noticed. So in, a, in, a, in an environment that I've played PSVR games, all, all manner of games, games that are DualShock tracked, aim controller tracked, all this kind of thing, um, it was popping up the sensitivity grid, which is in a lot of different PSVR titles, and normally is telling you you're outside the span of vision for the camera, so you need to step back in. Um, or you this need was to something face actually, it. yeah, or or needing to face it, right? In case yeah. you you're not, you know, in case you're not, let's say, accustomed to being one a 180 degree player on PSVR, yeah. which I am. I, I'm, you know, um, Resident Evil. Just to, given we were talking about Resident Evil Seven used to have this problem. I had my camera at that time monitor mounted. It wasn't quite far enough away from me. It wasn't quite far enough away. So the tracking volume was that bit more limited. And this is this is what uh, immediately out of the box uh, came to my attention. And for the hour and a half that I struggled with the game, um, it just, you, you have this blue grid around you that fades a little bit in, in, in the immediate forefront of you but I couldn't get that to go away without basically bringing a step stool into the room and standing up on that to get the controller up. Um, if I was standing where I was, I had to hold the controller almost touching the headset for the grid to dissipate. Um, and I tried even a few times having the, the controller above the headset, which actually worked. And then I, in the end, I was like, you know what, forget it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step. Someone came up with a bright idea. They're like, what about, a, what about a chair or a step stool in your room just to, you know, heighten you up? And it worked, and it, it dropped it. It was just very uncomfortable. And I think this is something that, again, what I, f what I feel about Hitman, and we're going to talk about a lot of the pros, because I have a lot of positive things mm -hmm. to say about this game. I, I think it's, it's turned out maybe a lot better than I was kind of cringe hoping, you know, that it, that it might. Um, and, then, and then there's just a, there's a list of cons I have as well. So for me, the main problem is the control setup that I have uh, because I know it works with literally 30, 40, 50 other PSVR games perfectly, I'm like, I'm not going to start mocking with that and screw it up for everything else just for this game that can't quite get it right on launch day. Other people uh, in my audience were saying they had the same problem. Some people have said that to, to rectify that problem, you try to get the camera as horizontally mounted with the controller, the DS4 controller as possible, yep. and it rectifies that problem. Um, which is fine. That just means it's a it's a it's a kind of an angular sensitivity that the game has. But between that and I'd say a mixture of other features like the hint system in the game, which helps teach you how to work the game, 
it's it's more aggressive and annoying than the pop-ups that you had in like Medal of Honor, um, where your whole screen is taken up by something that interrupts the game, mm-hmm. and then it does it again half a second later, and then five seconds later, and it's like it gets very interruptive. So it's it's very clearly a flat designed game with VR added to it. And I, I really look forward to talking now about the the kind of pro side because let's yeah. go there. Let's go well, there. Let's let me fling it back to you, Mike. So people yeah, I just wanted to, to sort of touch talk. on the controls a little bit because I didn't have so many many problems with the grid. Uh, I have a, my sort of PS camera almost chest height, you know, about like a, a meter or two away from me, and um, I didn't have the issues with it popping up all the time. Although I did have issues where I would get so immersed, I would look behind me, uh, you know, in the heat of the moment, and then the grid pops up and says, "You're not facing your your camera properly," and then that kind of breaks the immersion, especially if you're in like in, in an intense battle or something. Um, although I did just find generally that using the DualShock 4 for this game just felt really janky and it didn't feel like it was like the right tool for the job and like you know when you think about Hitman VR you think about like garroting someone you know creeping up behind them getting the razor wire over their throat and like literally garroting them to death which is pretty epic when it actually works but unfortunately it's so hit and miss with like the the DS4 that you just wanted it to be with the motion controllers dude uh, dude, I uh, ended up flossing an older gentleman. I mean, I flossed his teeth and he's like, would you please back up? And I'm like, I'm clearly trying to kill you. Would you please just die? But uh-huh. like, that's exactly, you hit, you hit it on its head. Um, it really does feel like the control scheme is forced mm-hmm. and yeah. it bugs you. And the problem is I can see through the muddy windscreen. I can see that there's a good game behind 100%. it. I'm sure flat gamers are going to love this and they're going to be looking at the VR side and going, this must be amazing in VR. Even maybe I'll buy a PSVR for this. If you're in that boat, I would, at the moment, from my opinion only, and I'm only an hour and a half in, I can't, I can't recommend you go pick up a PSVR for this I, game. I think, I think that this touches on like something that we we said last week. I mean, I obviously I, I haven't tried it, so I, I can't really give a solid opinion, and I don't think Viper has tried it either. But um, the thing is, and I, I see that uh, GT Gamertech uh, VR also said in the chat, like probably in early 2018 you know hitman mm. like this would have been awesome yeah. in, in vr uh, and i think everyone would have been you know completely amazed by it but yeah we, we're kind of like a bit further now and not having a good implemented control scheme in a game that has vr support just feels lacking uh, uh, regardless yeah, of yeah, whether totally. you like, like it we are uh, we are spoiled not. by modern day vr systems that have all this yeah. like accurate tracking you know inside out tracking mm-hmm. steam vr tracking independent motion controllers and then when you go back although, it does feel very dated it does yeah. although i'm I, pretty sure if someone new comes to it and he just says like oh i just played this hitman vr uh, game and i heard this vr support i'm pretty sure that if they put just a headset on their face and they can already look around yeah. not even playing the game will already be amazing i'm 100 convinced of that yeah but like playing vr more vr games you kind of like get used to that first sense of amazement totally. you're saying viper I, i'm gonna have to i'm just gonna go through a couple of things because i want to touch on a couple of points sure. first thing the, the number one positive that this game has in my opinion is the visuals and the environments like yep. the environments like you get to dubai you get to various places and it's just it's gorgeous unfortunately because of how psvr capture goes you can't really properly share that because it all looks like muddy mess looks way better in the headset yep and uh, I would say that, like, you look at that, and, and immediately, 
my brain is just going, this needs to be on PCBR. They need to yep. release this high fidelity with the texture system on a better headset. And you would be, you'd be in tears at some of these visuals. They are really, really pretty environments. And, and it, it feels to me like, uh, like the bar of course has moved like what Rowdy's saying, right? It, we've moved on. You need touch controller support. It just demands it for a game like this. Okay. I think Mike, you touched on it last week where you said it feels like, you know, when you, when you think about a studio's budget, they just kind of shortchanged it and they, they decided, all right, move controller support. How many sales are we going to get? Is it worth it? And they just went re- return on investment. Not worth it. I wish that someone was who was responsible for the game's direction and and not just from the money making side could actually justify and push that and say it you're gonna feel like hitman because those environments make you feel like hitman when you're walking through the party and a lady makes eye contact with you and does the little like cute smile and stuff that feels fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really it unfamiliar doesn't... feeling for you, Zim. But no, it is. I think like and that kind of attention to detail that's in a triple a title yeah you don't often get to love it and that's why i i went out on a limb and i was like okay i'll pick this up and i'll just i'll just run for it today because everything resident evil 7 uh blood and truth i mean there's so many examples where psvr have just delivered a title that for pcvr players i'm going to tell you this performs great like i can't tell i can't remember a piece uh, a playstation vr title running at 30 frames a yeah, second. You know what happen. I mean? Yeah. And so if you can get a great game running great, then you're al- you're almost there. You're almost over the finish line I, just with that. I totally agree with you there, but I think the problem is that some sacrifices have to be made to ma- maintain that frame rate. And certainly in Hitman 3 in VR, like you get a lot of pop-in textures, even in the, the medium to sort of close range. <laughs> so that's very, very... So it's one of the first things I notice when you like you turn your head... And there's a whole swath of people the that crowd just, disappear. just disappears. Yeah. It, with this kind of odd, like, it's like, it's like great. There's a term for it, but it's this kind of gradient fade that yeah. happens to, to everyone in the audience. And you're like, oh, that's odd. Like, why did they do that? So fair enough, they had to make those sacrifices. I could have forgiven that if some of the other stuff didn't happen. Like, I really feel like, like Hitman 3, for me in VR, um, not just in VR, probably, probably you feel it in, this flat, in the flat game as well. They, they've squeezed up a, a lot into that menu and it's become kind of confusing as a result. It feels like the climb menu times four. <laughs> so if anyone knows what the climb menu is, it's like mm. all these like picture placards with words on them. Uh, I think they had it in Phantom Covert Ops as well. Those games were good. This one feels like you're like kind of searching around for where you need to go. Like even loading a game. Loading a game is like, how, how do I find the place to load I the game? I did see you struggling. It's ridiculous. So, so um, another like, thing these are I, minor I, points, but... Another thing I just want to mention about the control system is that, like, obviously, some of the magic of in being in VR, and and obviously, you know, uh, Viper will be a testament to this, is like that feeling of like manually reloading a weapon or like throwing something in VR. It's just super satisfying, and you you feel so connected with like the experience that you're playing. Whereas in Hitman, a lot of this stuff is redundant to like a button press. So reloading your weapon is just a single button press on the controller. You know, throwing a weapon, uh, an, an object is just like holding the trigger buttons. Uh, and aiming, you know, and it, it's just a missed opportunity there. But going back to like the uh, the graphics, I totally agree that there's some real standout moments there. And there is a lot of content there as well to play. You've got the whole Hitman 3 campaign, the whole Hitman 1 and 2 campaign can be played in VR as well if you own them, uh, which is really great. 
Um, but some of the controller issues I've had aside... Can I pause you on that for a second? Because sure, I just want to say, I'm trying to answer this question for myself, going through the PlayStation Store. So it cost me £55 for the game. Yeah. To buy Hitman 1 or 2, there were two, like, season pass add-ons. One was, like, £32, one was, like, 26 do you have any idea how that works? Like, how do you? It said you get access to both of the others or the locations that are in those other games. That's right. I was really confused. Do you have? Do you, do you know how that works? So as long as you own them, as long as you buy the original games and you have them on your system, then they'll be carried over into Hitman Three and they'll appear there as maps. It's a bit hit and miss on the Epic Store version, uh, but obviously we're not really touching on that much because it doesn't support VR yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's how it works on PlayStation anyway. Um, but one thing I really struggled with, uh, like I said, controls aside, was some of like the interactions I had in game with like uh, characters. So, for example, there was one moment where I had a knife and I just went up to a guy and was just like stabbing him in the chest, like moving the motion controllers like forward and backwards. Then, yeah. yeah, and he was just standing there like completely unfazed what I was doing because there was no like collision detection on his chest. Like the game wanted me to swing the controller left to right across his face or whatever, but I obviously didn't want to do that. So I, I, but he was just a total badass, maybe. But so it, and it, it's, it's like, moments like that. You just like, I had the same, I had the same, the same thing. Like there's a lot of uh, party tables or places where there's glasses and it's like, here's a, here's a table of six glasses. You can pick this one up. Oh, and you can put poison in this one. And yeah. it's like, it very, it, it, it's definitely very, very much a flat game where they're like, oh, we're going to sprinkle in little VR bits and pieces, but it doesn't feel like a cohesive package no. and the for other, a VR player. The other problem VR. is, because I've been playing it on, like on the flat side of things and then playing it in VR, like I've enjoyed it more actually the flat way because like you've got access to a minimap. Uh, you see Agents 47 Instinct Vision, which gives you like an idea of where your enemies are and it's kind of like an X-ray mode. They, they don't get transferred over into the VR mode. So I've kind of found that... I prefer to play the game in VR after I've played through the mission yeah. on the flat, flat, flat game first. Uh, yeah. So then I understand where I need to go, who I need to kill, what I need, what I've got access to, and then I can kind of like just kind of soak up the environments more because some of the environments there's like a there's like a stately home in Dartmoor looks like friggin' amazing in VR. Like standing in that kind of stately home looks amazing. Yeah. Um, Mike has been the hat hitman the entire game, who's like completely <laughs> lost at like where he needs to go, who he needs to kill, and who he needs to poison. But <laughs> Mike it, is really into it. He's even got the haircut. I have. Yeah, I went. I went all in. I it even does. got. The, I even got the barcode. But um... <laughs> oh yeah, that was cute. Um, but I, Mike, I you know you like... meant to get it like on your neck, not in your lower back, right? <laughs> oh, I thought it was like one of those like tramp stamps, you know. Viper's <laughs> <laughs> here, just like dissing all of us. This is great. He's he's, he's gonna get rowdy next. Um, so the things that were really good that I found, another thing I want to say is the sound design is mm. it feels like AAA sound design. Uh, if you have any tactile, any kind of bass shakers or whatever, um, really great support. The voices, uh, the cutscenes are really fab as well. I mean, they are, yeah. again, AAA cutscenes. There's a, quite a lot of them at the start. I found you were going from like cutscene to cutscene. It's kind of like, when's the action going to start? Mm -hmm. um, but aside from that, one of the things that I haven't felt in VR for maybe two to three years is a sheer sense of vertigo. And in one or two places in the game so far, I literally felt like I was going to fall. Now, it might have been that I was standing on a stool at the time, but uh, that might have <laughs> yeah. contributed to the fact. That, that might but, be part of it, yeah. But, uh, but no, it really, it surprised me in a few places where I wasn't expecting to be way up high. Um, one of the things that really disappointed me in the same space was you're clambering on some pipes right up high above the clouds, and you can't fall off. Like, there's no way to fall off. You, uh, <laughs> there's, just, there's invisible walls, and mm. what's the point? There's no, especially in VR, like, I, I don't know why they have it like that. And then when you do from interaction to interaction, in this case, you were going from 
pipe A to pipe B to ladder to through a door, like blacking out the player for every interaction. Like I want to jump down a foot. Oh, black me out. And then, you know, it's like teleport locomotion yep. inserted into your smooth locomotion. Yeah. And it, it's really, it bugged me quite a bit along with all of the stuff that was like popping up to remind me of certain things that were just blanking my vision out. So with all of that together, the whole package feels, and I'll just repeat the metaphor I, I gave. It feels like there's a dirty windshield on a really nice car and you can't see into it. You can't see the dash. You can't enjoy it because it's just covered in shite. And it's like, if you could just rub all that off and get to the inside, you'd know you'd have a great time because the thing looks great. It sounds great. And actually, strangling somebody in VR feels, you feel like Hitman. It feels good. Even with the DS4, yep. it feels, it feels good. Uh, Dragging bodies around feels question, good. Question, what's your benchmark for this experience? <laughs> 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 Am I the only one who's wondering? <laughs> Watching your streams. <laughs> A little thing you probably don't know about me, right? And don't let this scare you, but I did used to shelve dead bodies into a, in a morgue job. So to, um, yeah. I have actually Exit dragged Viper. dead bodies around. Um, yeah. <laughs> Exit vibrations is like, I'm out of here. That's it. But, but just to kind of echo uh, what Zim said, you know, I, I totally agree that, you know, I think the game has like a ton of potential there, you know, and I think it's just hindered by the, the PSVR control scheme that they've implemented and some of the interactions. I think if this game is eventually ported onto PC, given some love, you won't get those graphical issues. You'll be able to experience what it's like to be in those huge crowds and like kind of blending your way through them. And with yeah. full motion controls, I think this would be like a really excellent game. The, the gadgets are really, really smart as well. Yeah. Like I like the fact that you have a whole plethora of weapons. They encourage you to play in different play styles, that type of thing. I, I yeah. really, I really appreciated that. Um, and I thought that some of the distraction mechanics were good. Like you said, having a, equivalently like a teleport locomotion arch to kind of like throw a coin or whatever. It just doesn't feel like 2021, you know? It, it feels like 2016, really. You're totally right. And I think, you know, like what Rowdy said earlier, had this game released this VR mode in 2018 or 2017, I think we would be looking at it in a different way. But now right. we've been spoiled with modern day VR systems. We kind of expect more, especially from such a big developer anyway. Yeah. Um, so I hope one, one, more, one, on. more, one more point I want to mention. This is a, probably a launch week issue. I had, uh, so the game to track your progress and for challenges that are in the game, for challenge tracking, like achievement tracking, you have to be in an online status. Oh yeah, of and course. I, and, and I found that this was, I, I don't have this, and I've, I've not had this for years now with other games, but I think their servers are flooded or something. They are totally. Yeah. I'm getting online disconnect. So I had to play through like the tutorial VR mission three times because it would, I'd be two, two thirds of the way through and it would just disconnect me and say, you lost the connection, blah, 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 blah. You can force yourself into an offline mode, but then all the challenges stuff isn't tracked. You're absolutely um, so right. You, and and that is, look, maybe expected for launch week for some big studios. But if you're sitting there going, oh, I've got 55 pounds or whatever it is in US dollars, I think it's $60. And I want to splash into this game and do it this weekend. Wait a week, right? Wait at least a week before you go do that. And for anyone who really thinks that the VR support, um, they want like move controller support, I still think if the studio spends the time, if the game sells well enough, and they do this as a patch two or three months from now, I would go and repurchase the game. Mm -hmm. I have refunded this. Uh, I've, I've requested a refund because I, I can't, I, I'm surprised. I almost never refund games, and I was really looking forward to this one, but I can't forgive those two major issues. Yeah. The way the controller schema works right now with the camera problem that I was having, and then on the other side, 
all these interrupts. There's yeah. so many interrupts that just ruin your experience. I totally so. agree. Like, I just plan to play through it, um, rest of the game on flat game, because I'm actually really enjoying the flat yeah. game. Um, and I will it looks, go... It looks badass. It, it does. looks really badass. And yeah. I will go back to it. If they bring it to PC with motion controls, or if they add motion controls to the PSVR version, I'll definitely revisit it. But it's just, it's just a shame, because like you said, there is a lot of potential there, but it's just hindered at the moment by poor control scheme. Yeah. Can I just comment on the... Uh... The thing, the problem I have with large developers bringing games that either were previously, you know, around onto VR later, is they tend to screw up the whole the, the, the whole motion controller interface. Like mm -hmm. I'm never really impressed with what they bring to the table at the end of the day because I, like you guys mentioned previously, we are so far along compared to where we were that it's it's really just like they're coming to the party late. The indie developers have already done something amazing with it, you know, and we're all we're all just over it. You know, we're all completely over it, and and it's 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 disappointing because you get the likes of Skyrim and Fallout, and you had such high hopes and expectations having played games like Pavlov and Armored about how you can interact and grab objects, and it just it's a complete letdown. Um, but the thing is, and the same grace these things, and it depends on the developer's approach to it. But if you get a game like Skyrim where the developer kind of facilitates modding. What you have down the line a few years later is this absolutely remarkable experience with like um you know the the followed essential vr modded experience and stuff like where you've got all these these ik mods you've got all the weapon interaction mods you've got like throwable items now in sky like throwable like weapons in sky so all this sort of stuff yeah zim you know what i'm talking about like absolutely so i really think like hitman while it sounds super promising i think like you guys said it's 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 a little it's a little late yeah. um and, and on top of that also i think what they the way they went about it was wrong i think if you're going to bring a game like that to vr you make it the controller experience you make it almost like a platformer and then you could throw in if you want to put the effort in some vr experiences to it like, like a part where you have to do something is first person vr like for example you get the controller it tracks the controller the controller is a brick you brick someone to death you know wouldn't that be great that's how you do it but i, <laughs> I think uh i think you know just coming in and trying to do these weird control schemes you know without motion controls it's, just, it's a waste of time yes, and, you know yeah. it's, it's things like that is what's is what's shelving the virtual reality experience for the, for the mainstream these half-assed attempts even yeah. just to add to your point there uh, viper i mean there was this term that was bandied about early on about the half-assed vr attempts uh which they used to say poisoning the well it was a bad yeah. thing you know and i really think that when you take a triple a title and you drop it for vr like this this is going to be someone's first time vr experience and they're going to have super high hopes and they're going to say VR is shit and they bugger off, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's the main problem that I foresee. We, we have kind of the tolerance, let's say, for this kind of thing. And we know that that's not indicative of every other VR experience out yeah. there. But there's mm -hmm. plenty of gamers who will literally just play this on a buddy's machine, be like, oh, I wanted to really try that because I love Hitman. And then just go walk away like confused and, you know, kind of disappointed at how convoluted that setup is. Because it doesn't, if you compared the psvr experience to playing i'll say anything on quest right it's like i feel like they've got seven or eight major design mechanics just not well implemented and that contrast is so stark so yeah thankfully i think this won't be a game that will be sold for its vr merits i think it no. is a game that is going to be sold as a flat game yeah. and that's where they're going to make yeah. their money and it's a solid one for sure um, so that is Hitman 3 VR. Um, so now let's talk about the final bit of news this week, and that is about Apple, as we have some fresh rumors from Bloomberg about an upcoming Apple AR stroke VR headset. So first of all, disclaimer, please take this information with a pinch of salt, as this is just rumor at this time. 
But with that said, Bloomberg have been right in the past with leaks like this, and they were one of the first to leak uh, the rumors about the second iteration of Quest uh, months before also, the official announcement. We get this rumor almost every year. Yeah. <laughs> we do get this rumor every year. We talk about it on the show every year. Yeah, this is the anniversary, so uh, buckle up. Um, so this is what the article from Bloomberg says, and I'll just read it out for you. Uh, Apple's first crack at headset is designed to be a pricey niche precursor to a more ambitious augmented reality product that will take longer to develop, according to people with knowledge of the matter. It will display an all-encompassing 3D digital environment for gaming, watching video and communicating, and AR functionality will be limited. So kind of how we got the Quest 2 now. It's predominantly a VR headset, but it's got some kind of cool... AR pass-through functionality as well. Um, Apple has plans to launch the product as soon as 2022, going up against Facebook's Oculus, Sony's PSVR, and headsets from HTC. Apple is aiming to include some of its most advanced and powerful chips in the headset, along with displays that are a much higher resolution than those in current VR products. So that's kind of interesting. We're looking at like super high-end, really high-resolution headset here. We don't know the specs, of course, but that's what they're touting. Um, it goes further to say that Apple isn't looking to create an iPhone-like hit for its first headset. Instead, the company is building a high-end niche product that will prepare outside developers and consumers for its eventual more mainstream AR glasses. So this is kind of like first exposing the general public and developers to say, like, we're dipping our toes into this for the first time, but we've got something big on the horizon. I'll tell you what I think this is, Mike. I really think this is Apple waking up to, uh-oh, Facebook is pushing in on our territory and we need to stop them. Um, I honestly think that this is, because this is this is not something that we had expected in previous years. The AR glasses, yes, but this uh, AR uh, tacked on headset is a new Kind of thing. concept, it yeah. Is, yeah, new concept. And I, I honestly think it's a, it's a stop block for them throwing their weight around and actually saying, guess what? We're going we're gonna to come out with a product and it's not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, $300. This is probably going to cost a couple grand or something, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be also, like epic. The, yeah. the, thing, the thing that I always wonder about this, like I'm, I don't worry at all about like that. It's like, it's going to be a technological marvelous kind of thing. And the, you know, it's going to be an amazing kind of, you know, resolution experience and all of that. But Apple is not really known for being a gaming company. Like, who who is this aimed for? Like, who, who's going to play? What, what are we going to play? I don't know. Candy Crush? And, I, yeah. I, I, I would like say, like, already said, like, <laughs> Apple aren't producing gaming, like, machines or machines that can really do any kind of, you know, semblance of gaming. So what are they going to produce that's going to be of any interest to the VR gaming industry? But, but I would probably say there's probably more gamers on the iOS platform playing casual They're games. playing Candy Crush. Well, exactly. What? More than probably any like console gamers. So they do have like a big share in the gaming market, whether it, even though it is very casual gaming. Um, and they've got like Apple TV and they've got like a monthly subscription service now through Apple TV. You can play like regular games that they release for free. Um, so they are kind of tapped into it. But I think you're right, Zim, that this is their kind of like moment to say, OK, we're going to do something and we want part of this pie as well. And to be honest, I think it's great. And I really hope that this I'm happens. So glad. Obviously, I have some concerns, but I'll get into that in a little bit uh, later <laughs> on. So um from what they've said in Bloomberg, uh, the headset is designed to work as a standalone device, uh, meaning meaning it can operate on a battery rather than being plugged into a PC or Mac. Uh, prototypes of the headset, some of which are about the size of an Oculus Quest, include external cameras to enable some AR features, so a bit like the Quest can. Um, to address, this is kind of interesting, to address consumers with poorer eyesight, it developed a system where custom prescription lenses can be inserted into the headset over the VR screens. 
So I kind of envisage envisage this a bit similar to the way that you've got like companies like um, Widmo that make prescription lens inserts that clip over the lens lenses lab. of the Quest. Maybe yeah. they're going to produce their own in-house, which is kind of a, an interesting take on that. I don't know. It sounds like a rather cumbersome kind of thing to do to play games when I'm sitting on the toilet, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I mean, 90% of the YouTube videos I watch are on the toilet. I'm pretty sure that's what all my audience is doing, too. And I thank you for that. <laughs> I think this is why they said limited AR experience, because they don't want to see none of that. So, you know, that's... Hey, look, <laughs> I can blocking. watch Virtual Oasis and crap at the same time. And watch oh. my crap flush, too. Amazing. So, the, the thing is with this headset, I mean, Rowdy raises a point which is really important. And I wonder, like, from a software development perspective, you have, like, the AR kit that's been out there for several years now and a whole bunch of stuff that's there. But this headset sounds like it's standalone, equivalently VR, yep. with, with a little smattering of AR, which tells me that none of what's been developed for really their mobile and iPad market will just easily move from one to the other. So it does beg this question of, does Apple have an in-house studio, several studios? Are they working with developers already? Mm. You'd think that this would be a very closely guarded secret and that might be difficult, but first party content for this kind of application. I mean, what are they planning for us to do with it? Well, That's my question. Like movie watching would be my yeah. my first one would be they're expecting people to have an incredible experience that's better than the TV that's sitting on their on their table today. So they're like, don't buy a new TV, buy one of these headsets. Of, of course. And that works great for everyone who doesn't have yeah, of course people it, living with them. It will have all the traditional <laughs> Apple stuff in, integrated into it, like Apple TV, for example, you know, it yeah. will likely have that integrated into it. But you asked about content and that's kind of an interesting topic. Although we don't know about game developers, Apple recently did acquire a company called NextVR. And I don't know if you remember those guys, but yes. they kind of uh, yeah. produced and recorded events such as concerts and sporting events, which they, events. Um, you know, was able to, you were able to watch in VR, like your courtside, uh, uh, you know, a basketball game, for example. An NBA game. Yeah, this is, isn't that the one where it was like pretty much restricted to the US in terms of their use? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. Um, so that's maybe like the kind of content they're aiming for, like super high-end visual um, content, like watching media. But then I wouldn't be surprised if they have some gaming on the side and they've kind of like got in contact with a few maybe VR devs and said, look, we want your game on our system. But who knows at this point? Um, but could, what, it, could it be that they're far more aimed at like, you know, the, the business side of using virtual reality? Like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean as like, uh, as like a, a, a business headset, like to do, um, to do like, you know, like, I don't know, car construction or something like that. But for like someone who's working in like a business environment to make like more applications directly for that, I don't know. Well, I, down to their graphic on the design gaming? roots with the, with the Maybe, but then then it, maybe it might be like on a pro range, like they have the kind of pro range, don't they? But mm-hmm. for me, it kind of it, it kind of sparks as like a really niche high-end consumer product, a bit like their brand new headphones, like the AirPods Max. They're super niche. They're like six hundred pound headphones. But they're they're all they're all aimed at like people that have like you know the Apple ecosystem, and still that ecosystem yeah, of course. is built around like you know a business developer and being integrated like that. But I'm I'm just wondering, like, have they have they specifically said that this is going to be a gaming device? No, no, no. They haven't said anything. Well, they haven't said anything. No, no, this I is mean, all like leaked information. The rumor, but the, the, the leak doesn't suggest it's going to be like a predominantly gaming headset either. But they mm. do say that you know, um, they say it, it, it's got a code name which is N three zero one. It's in late prototype stage apparently. Um, but mm. they say that these plans could change or they could just be entirely scrapped. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it is like, like I said uh, earlier on, a precursor to what they want to become mainstream, and that is their AR glasses, which they want to release. But they think that 
AR is is far harder to sell right now than what VR is because you know VR is like an emerging market a lot more people are aware of VR right now than they ever have been before so maybe it is a good opportunity for them to say look we're getting into the VR market oh and by the way we're going to have this like cheaper more affordable mainstream consumer device coming in like the next couple of years that's going to be more accessible and more usable for people but this is going to be the kind of niche entry to market for it no doubt it's going to be super expensive i wouldn't expect it to be like any less than like a thousand bucks when it releases but i think having some competition at least in the standalone vr market space is a yeah. good thing oh yeah especially from such a large studio I, i'm really excited by this like my, I've, I've had a lot of positivity behind app I've, I've been wanting apple to pop anything on the market for the last four years so the fact that we we're hearing you know okay news again of them potentially coming but this is the first time i've seen that news take any kind of form n301 is an interesting code name um to me that would be n of some kind of product you know combination three being the quarter in which they intend to release an 01 for 2021 so i don't know we'll see we'll see how it comes out but um fingers crossed i'd, I'd fingers buy one crossed i'd buy one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before we get okay, okay. You can buy if this, if this existed what would be the price be because i it's going to be like a thousand bucks it's going to be like 1200 bucks easy I'm eight to eight to eight to one thousand bucks it's either going to be completely standalone or I, i'm trying to think could they arrange some sort of partnership with steam vr uh i don't think so, so I, I think they yeah because they want their own ecosystem so yeah. if they want their own ecosystem will they have it work with the pc and then i'm thinking to myself no because it doesn't really they, they're not going to pull you into their imax their you know their, their whole again their apple ecosystem by having you start off mm -hmm. using their hardware on your pc so yeah yeah i think they're probably going to bypass I, the, the no, i i really gaming. think that they're far more going to aim on a, on a on a business perspective on like the business users and making a business interface and to bring like your work environment more into like you know that kind of ecosystem because that, that would that would be in line of the strategy that they've been going I, I don't think that apple is all of a sudden going to start making games or start hiring gaming yeah. studios to so do you mean Brownie, is... like like a combination between like but like you've got your 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 i don't even know what they're called these days but like a macbook air like a laptop in the mac world right but mm -hmm. instead of maybe you're running that in the side and you're actually displaying it in your headset or something like that so that you've got the portability and accessibility to your work environment i mean I it's not an area that's like been that. It's not an area that's been tapped. And to be honest, they do make a lot of money in that space. But like, I think it was like what you were saying from a gamer perspective, like going at going at gaming consumers doesn't seem to be right. So you got to think about like television, music, uh, arcade games, right? And possibly business applications for this thing, I think, yeah. unless they're going to go into a different direction entertainment it, it seems be to like, be the op obvious option it, it, they'll just be selling the idea the concept of you can wear this headset you know you can wear it anywhere in the house you'll have like the highest fidelity like ha it's like having a 4k tv but you don't need a 4k tv you just strap it to your face and you've got this amazing built-in audio you know it's going to be super high end so that that's going to be the niche market they aim it for but i think gaming gaming without doubt will be a part of it but i think the price on this thing has got to be either 14.99 and up I, I think it cannot be cheaper than 1500 bucks for what they're trying to aim for they, they were saying their projections for sales they because they know it's super niche they, they said yeah. that they'll probably sell one per store per week and they've got like 500 stores worldwide so that's oh that's their kind of projections they they know it's going to be on a smaller scale so bloomberg bloomberg had that in their data as well yeah that's what they or said is that just yeah that's wow, what bloomberg okay. said yeah um but sure, yeah it'll be not. interesting nevertheless yeah, like i said i hope it's true of course um 
and we'll just have to track this one and see what happens. But, you know, we'll probably be talking about this again next year when it still hasn't surfaced. It comes with an old stand of like $1,000. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, It's it's exciting nevertheless, though. Um, So now let's get into uh, having a bit of a chat with uh, our friend, the Lonely Viper, uh, about the VR competitive scene as like I said at the beginning of the show, he's someone that's been kind of like integrated with the, com- the competitive community for like since VR competitive scene was incepted pretty much. You've been a big fan of playing games like Onward, Pavlov, Population One. And we've also had like previous insights into sort of like the VR competitive gaming scene when we had Alex, who was a caster from the VRML on the show a while back. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective as a, like a, a hardcore player. So maybe oh, you. you can tell us like a bit like you said you started back in the day when on, Onward first sort of released and you've sort of seen this kind of like growth in the VR sort of competitive scene. Did that sort of growth continue over the years or has it kind of plateaued at some point or now is it even growing even further with the new Quest community or is, what, what is it you're sort of seeing from your perspective? Yeah, so so I I joined on the moderation to like, like running VRML for a while with Dakiman. I was kind of very instrumental in its early growth stages so it's kind of using my own kind of like platform at the time to try and push it and drive it a bit um so because i was i'm a big believer in vr esports i mean when i like when i started playing onward competitive i was like man imagine a world where we get to a point technologically that you don't need a pc anymore you just put on a headset you can go out into a field with your buddies or you can go out into like a an arena with some with some wooden kind of like you know uh, plywood walls and stuff like that and you, you know just just fight each other you know kind of like cqb that sort of th- stuff like imagine a world where you could do that now imagine a world where you you take a camera and you're looking at that and you use something to composite mixed reality because mixed reality was one of the first like when you saw the vibe trailers mixed reality was already a thing so mm. it wasn't a big leap to think about at the time so i mean i'm looking at that i'm seeing man this is huge potential you could have stadiums filled with people packed to the brim watching people play these games with augmented reality also physically being there and that would be just sick i mean you already have it i was at iem katowice back in i think it was 17 and like you know just packed to the brim with people who just wanted to watch these players you know gaming on they're sitting on their computers you know they're just scared to get playing counter-strike you know and on the screen there's crazy action those explosions those gunshots those flick shots it's 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 amazing and i was like vr is the future of this we we take these players and we make them physical athletes we create a physical environment for them to have co- to, to do to do to do combat in you know we we overlay the the virtual experience on top of that we create a, a, a an event and a show that will just captivate audiences in a way more visceral way than ever before um and i think that would just blow people's minds you know so that's what originally my my dream for it was and and i sort of was why i was such a big believer in it so i got into vrml i was helping drive for a long time i had to step out eventually because obviously you know running that doing my own stuff i didn't have the time commitments and also there was a conflict of interest to play competitively and run it um so when oculus started getting involved and there was money involved obviously i had to take a step back um so yeah so so i i was really a big believer in that so now you asked me about kind of its growth over the years it was a fairly steady growth and then eventually vr kind of plateaued somewhere Around the Vive Pro generation before Quest, VR, you could see PC VR like competitive, just kind of going, eh, it's kind of just wiggling around a bit. Nothing, nothing too interesting happening. Things were kind of chill for a bit. Then Quest came along and obviously, you know, things exploded again. Uh, all of a sudden you have this whole new market of players who want to get in on the ground floor of like, you know, like all these exciting things. And again, Quest was the next sort of piece of the ingredient in my mind that I was visualizing this sort of, you know, again, physical esports 
athletic arena environment. You know, it, it it's just, again, it looks like it's all kind of coming together. And I think it's only a matter of time before we find that we get that formula right. Um, so, yeah, it plateaued for a while. It had some good growth, plateaued, and then Quest, it just exploded again. Um, and and there's, there's so many different games now which offer competitive experiences too. And, mm. and it's just amazing. And I love it. Um, I don't know if you guys have tried any competitive games or experiences yet. Only with you. Yeah. Only like when you're carry, <laughs> carrying me in Population 1. <laughs> Um, but like, I think, I think, you know, you're totally right because I remember going to like, um, Oculus Connect 4, Oculus Connect 5 and, and VR esports was such a big thing at those two events. Uh, and they had, uh, was it the VRML back then when they had them on stage there with the, the podiums and they were playing Onward and also, uh, Echo Arena? Um, because yeah. those guys, they, they looked like rock stars. They made it look really cool. Yeah. They obviously had the, the budget to invest in some really cool tech, and they had this amazing amazing, uh, amazing stage with lighting and huge big screens in the background so you could see their first-person view, and, and, and they had shoutcasters. And a huge cup as well. A huge cup. They had showcasters. And yeah. they know how to throw a party as well. They, they know how to yeah. throw a party. <laughs> um, and, and we saw that for like two years in a row, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is amazing. And like you said, it was so visceral to watch and like you say when you see traditional competitive gaming scenes it's guys behind a you know a keyboard and mouse which you know when you're watching them isn't particularly that exciting other than the dynamic within their teams but when you see the these these guys and they are like physically athletes they have to be physically athletes as well and they're, they're moving around and they're moving in such dynamic ways so they can get the advantage in this like vr game you think like this is so amazing and so like fun to watch and then we're like, it's convinced it, this is going to be the future. And then, and then all of a sudden it was like nothing. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened there? Okay. So be, uh, unfortunately you got the inside scoop because I was behind the scenes. So pretty early on, I realized, <laughs> okay, I have my team, my good friends, boss fight. Like I love those guys. They're my boys. I realized to myself, like, look, we can get a maximum, like Oculus will bring a maximum number of players. Right. So my, my, my best bet is to probably get in there some other way and like we can create another slot in the team, get another guy over so we can all get together on a big kind of trip. So that was my main agenda. I didn't, I didn't mind that much. So I started doing camera work. So I was in the background doing all the doing all the, the, the fly cams and stuff for the competitive matches. So that was kind of my ticket in there. And then I was also there as a content creator as well. And then me and my, my boys from Boss Fight would be over and they'd be actually competing. Obviously, they wouldn't do great without me. But, you know, hey, look, that's another issue. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, so... I can tell you right now, being in the background, there were some. There are significant technical issues with Gen One technology, and trying to create a, a, a whole a, a production like that. Because right. you've got, first of all, they would only let you use Oculus CV One for obvious reasons. I guess I, I completely understand. Oculus CV One's only, um, so you had to have lighthouse sensors, uh, extra USB cards, and all the machines. Um, you know, and I don't know you guys, of course, would know. Oculus CV1s could be so finicky with USB uh, controllers oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. there was yeah. a whole host of issues there. The players themselves had to be satisfied with the, the whole setup. So they had to be happy that the tracking was good enough for them to play competitively. And that's fair enough. I mean, you wouldn't expect a pro CSGO player to sit down and like, you know, keys weren't working on his keyboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, so that was, that was a big part of it too. There were also technical challenges with the game and the networking. So there were things different things would happen like the game might bug out they'd have to reset or something like that you know because obviously we're still in the very early days of kind of figuring out vr games because all the ik calculations and you know things that have to happen um so there was a couple of things going on like that and then the other side of it was the company at the time i'm not naming names but the company running that show at the time um weren't really great at doing it 
especially with the VR setup, they were, they were kind of weren't very experienced running a virtual reality competitive event. And you would think there isn't much of a difference and you'd be forgiven for doing so because to be fair, I don't think I would have known the difference until I, until I went on the floor and saw the amount of hardware required to get it going. And not only just hardware, space. Okay, you can run a 5v5 competitive event for CSGO, probably like, you know, in the room I'm doing right now. Just just tables, chairs, that's it, you're done. But you want to... kind of spacious, actually, uh, the room you're in right now. Oh, Is yeah, you should check out the pool. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my fairy castle villa. Let me tell you, it's, it's quite the view. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could run a, like, you could run a physical, like, you know, but to run a, a physical VR event like that, you need like a couple of meters for each player and you got to have room for the sensors and all that sort of stuff. It's crazy. So there was a huge amount of challenges and issues with that. So one year was particularly bad. Um, you know, there was a lot of technical difficulties and, you know, I just think Facebook were just unhappy with it after that. And they went, we're out, you know, right. let's, let's just count it for a while. We'll come back when technology sort of figures this shit out. The thing now is I'm not sure with the Oculus Quest 2, how good or how, like with that insider tracking, how effective or useful that can be in that environment. I don't know how well it would work on a dark stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, yeah. but I at the same it. time, I do see it as sorry, sorry, Mike. At the same time, I do see it as the next step. Like I think again, I had this vision that Oculus Connect Six, the the more the last physical event we had, mm -hmm. that there was so much room you could easily set up like a, a fairly large play space, just like they did with the Quest Two at the time. Um, you know, and you could have a competitive event like that, and you could use mixed reality to composite that, and you could use physical walls to, yeah. you know. Totally. Environment. because that's what they did at oculus connect 5 wasn't it they had the, yeah. the, the quest was fairly new at the time the original quest and they had this kind of dead and buried arena experience where it was four four v four i believe off the top of my head and you all wear you all wore quests and they had physical objects in the arena and you had like a train line in vr that separated the two sides and you just fought it out to the death between the two sides and it was like one of the best vr experiences yeah. we've ever had and we've been talking about local multiplayer ever since like when is it going to happen yeah. when we're going to see it and obviously i think COVID has put like a bit of a break on that uh at the moment but i think you're totally right they had this kind of like mixed reality capture system with like an ipad pro that they could see all the players represented in vr and you know the arena itself and it looked great and I was hoping to see more of that, like you said, at the last physical event, which was OC6. And they had the space to do it, but they just didn't do it. Even if they used the same demo again, it would have been standout for people that yeah. didn't try it the first time. Um, but it seems that they didn't. But like you say, we have seen more of, um, you know, uh, more competitive VR titles released, particularly on Quest. We've now got like uh, Onward on Quest. Uh, Population One just like blew up, which was amazing. You know, Echo Arena on Quest, and we're seeing like this whole new player base. But like you say, capturing that, um, like on a on a like a professional scale, is very very hard. You know, as a content yeah. creator that that creates VR content uh, from the Quest, it's very hard to to stream that content and to capture that from the headset. And when you have like eight other people that are doing that simultaneously in the same physical space you're going to get into problems. So that is a problem they're going to have to solve in the long term. Well, I think, uh, I think the immediate solution, right, is we get that similar setup from OC5. And we, we use, we, we they, like, you know, okay, so Oculus, they, they set that up. They get the shared telemetry on the quests again, okay? Mm -hmm. So it means they got to work closely with the developer. Let's say Downpour and Onward, right? This, they, get, they get on board Downpour and Onward. They share telemetry to get the players in the same environment on the same network. 
you know, physically sending data to or sending data to each other so they can they can calculate those physical locations. So we're getting low latency engagements. And then we we partner with Live and we get Live to set up the mixed reality, you know, yeah. whole setup. So, you know, and then if you want to spectate from the first person point of view, you can use the spectate cameras on the server side to jump into the player's POV. So that way you actually don't need to pull video out of the quest itself. So you've solved a lot of these problems already with the technology we have. We just need someone with the cojones to make it happen. <laughs> and, and not only that, just to touch really quickly on the local multiplayer, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I saw someone mentioning in the chat as well, they had those iPads set up where you yeah. could like look through and you could actually, that was like a form of augmented reality where you could yeah. like see like the game actually being played in front of you, which is amazing because if you bring that kind of technology to like indeed like VR esports, you could actually have like, you know, cameraman running on the field, like trying to capture like the, yeah. the best <laughs> kind of footage, you know, it would be amazing. Oh, listen, I think you nailed it on the head. You know, imagine you have an AR app that you you can download on your phone. You go to one of these live events and you stick on your app and you're sitting there. The camp phone, from, you're watching this in the arena. You're watching people duking it out. I think that would be amazing. Like, I think that is where it's at. You know, someone yeah. should pay me for these ideas, but that's another <laughs> problem. Um, but just to go back again to the whole, the concept of virtual reality esports, I don't think people appreciate when they watch, like, you know, these castings of the physical athleticism of the people oh, who are yeah. doing it. So, like, if you see someone lying down on the ground, you know, you know, you know shooting their gun, and then to get up off the ground quickly, I mean, that, that is a physical feat. It is taxing on the human body to be constantly jumping around mm -hmm. the play space like this. And the players have to have a certain level of stamina to be able to compete at that level. I'm not talking, like, you know, 100-meter sprinters, you know olympic sprinter you know stamina but a fair bit of stamina at the same time and, and, and there's a mental kind of uh, stamina you need too because you're constantly with a with a pancake game okay you just you're focused you're you're, you're sitting here you're like this and you are trying to map the, the three-dimensional world out in your mind so you can if you've got your aware, situational awareness but when you're in virtual reality you're mapping out the the, the three dimensions you know I can't even describe it. It's like it's more in real time. You're also conscious of your own body's positioning and you're thinking about your own kind of where your legs are, what you're doing, stuff like that. You're thinking about how fast you can get from A to B if, if, if you, know, you know, condition C is met, that kind of thing. And you're also thinking about your teammates, where they are and all the sort of stuff. And then you're also using hand signals to each other. So for example, if I'm going to, to breach into a building, okay? So we, we, would, we would do the what we call drills. So for example, I don't know if you guys watch controlled pairs gaming, like he would do go through a lot of this stuff, but we would go for a team breach of building. So it'd be a two man, two man squad breaching a building. You know, your man one is going to like, you know, position one is going to hold security on, on a long angle, looking into the building. Position two is going to move up under, underneath him low. So he's not in his field of fire for his weapon. He's going to get a flashbang prep around the corner, flash in, flash goes off. Guy one's forward, guy two is immediate, immediate right. And you're clearing at the building and stuff like that. But that is, again, it's a physical thing. You're, you're shifting mm -hmm. your body weight quickly. Granted, maybe you're moving a bit in your play space, too depending on the situation if you've got the yeah. room and and i think a lot of people underestimate like the amount of training that goes into like especially like uh, you know when you when you play games like onward of course with onward you still have a team but in the chat we actually have uh, someone who has outdone you viper we have actually a world champion in the chat as well uh, sadly it's bradley you know i, if, uh, I don't know listen let's remember. be let's, let's be clear about something <laughs> okay. i'm the real deal okay, okay. i was the okay. 2001 halo heavy weapons Rockets world champion. Okay, so I'm the real deal. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's be clear. I have a question. I, I, I've always had this thought that one day, as 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 a dude who was uh, and and still is the the slender nerd build that I am, um, I wondered if someone would one day get ripped from VR. I'm curious <laughs> with all your time 
in VR. Have you seen anyone transform from being, you know, a scrawny fella to someone who's like got decent muscle tone because of all their competitive gameplay? Have you run across that yet? Well, I mean, not necessarily in a shooter, but I mean, there's this Beat Saber guys who do it competitively and they are shredded. Like they've gotten insanely ripped. Like, I mean, who's, let me think of one. Uh, I got a few friends of mine. Like they've just lost like uh, so much weight. Like mm, they've yeah. just, they, they look incredible shape. But I mean, I, I mean, you, maybe you could get that in, in VR. Like, Hold on, hold that thought for a sec, right? <laughs> I, he's, gone, he's gone to his castle. All right, okay, so this is my weapon stock. The green screen doesn't hate it for some reason. Oh, these zoom green screens are terrible. So this is my weapon stock. When I'm aiming my rifle, I'm using this when I'm sniping. Now, normally I'm freehand because, you know, you get more, you know, kind of freedom. You can throw your weapon around more easily. When I'm sniping, it's worth my while to train my body to be able to hold this, my arms like this for long periods of time. So doing strength training is re- is is actually something that you should probably do if you're playing competitively. So you can raise your arms faster, and training with weights is also something you can do as well. Sometimes I'll strap weights to my wrist so I can and I'll play against bots just to practice my you know my ADS and get that faster. Things like that. That's that's going so far beyond your your traditional like like your mouse flick. It's it's not even funny. Like yeah. you know so you got great like a player like shroud for example i played with him a few years ago he got vr one christmas and it hey it was a privilege don't get me wrong he had a lot of fun in virtual reality but his skills on a mouse and keyboard did not translate no so while while his mental game like again his map awareness and situational awareness his his interpretation of the information coming in and the way he would play is it was excellent he wasn't able to snipe like he normally would. He wouldn't, wouldn't be able to acquire a target as quickly because he wouldn't have the physical kind of muscle memory the way mm. he would with the sniper. And he got pretty pissed off when he saw that some of us used like rifle stocks because he's like, well, that's cheating. And right. that actually poses a very interesting question. Is that cheating? Where do you draw the line? For example, you play a competitive shooter. You snap turn. That means you can turn faster than the, at the speed of light, faster than any human could. Is that yep. cheating? Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of questions being thrown out there, and, and as distinct from your traditional pancake competitive games, a lot of these questions have had to be kind of figured out by VRML as they kind of go on as to how they figure out what's what's fair game and what's not. And it's funny, I remember having this conversation with a couple of like the competitive guys at OC Five, I think, uh, and I was saying because I think around then, you know, the Pimax was kind of a big hot topic, you know, with the wider field of view, and I was like, you know, would that put you at a significant advantage in like a, you know. A, competitive game because you've got a wider field of view can you see more in your peripheral vision is it because it's got higher resolution display is it because it's got higher refresh rate now is that more important um so there's a lot yeah. of different factors involved um but but talking about accessories i've got a kind of a question to put to you because obviously you showed there that you use the pro tube for for like sniping how do you how do competitive players feel about like uh, omnidirectional treadmills because the kind of vision back in the day of like competitive online uh, competitive players, you know, on the stage is that they would all be on these like kind of treadmills and running about. But obviously, that never really happened. Um, but what do the competitive scene think about these uh, as as legit accessories? You know, I mean, with with smooth with you know the the smooth kind of running locomotion everyone's using at the moment in the likes of Armored, no one's really that bothered about a, a treadmill. I mean, when I think of a treadmill, I like the concept, but then I'm like, wait a minute, how do I go prone? How do mm-hmm. I hit the deck? You know what I mean? <laughs> so immediately, if you're going to use a treadmill, I think in the vast majority of cases, barring some, you know, severe, very sophisticated, you know, uh, arm-based rig, you're going to have to limit the amount of movement and what kind of movements a player can do. Um, and that may be a good thing for certain kinds of games. Like, I mean, Pavlov, you can't prone in. Population 1, you can't prone in. 
you know, and that's fine. Those games are going for a certain kind of experience and it works. But I think um, for the, the hardcore competitive scene that I play in with Onward, I don't think anyone would be particularly bothered about it. And I don't think anybody generally th- seems to think that it's necessary at all, really. I mean, Cyber Shoes offers a very interesting kind of halfway house experience between what you traditionally use to move around in a game and one of these treadmill experiences. Um, and to be honest, I didn't feel like it was necessary as, a, as, as an accessory to the virtual reality experience. It didn't increase my immersion in that sense. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. fun, but it didn't really make me feel like, oh, this is superior to, you know, just using my play space. Fair enough. Chat? Chat was coming up with an interesting question here, Viper, and I wonder if you've come across this in in terms of the leagues that have been uh, running the competitive scene so far. Um, what about you know substance uh, substances used to enhance players? I mean, someone could take some you know coffee pills. Someone could take something else to help enhance their gameplay. At the moment, are there any rules uh, when it comes to esports in terms of your interaction that you know restrict substance use? Um, let me think about that for a second. Short answer is no. Although, if I recall correctly, when we played with ESL, I think ESL had terms in their contracts about like the use of amphetamines and kind of different, like like Ritalin and stuff like that to improve your performance stuff. But I mean, as far as I know, in esports, I, I've heard only rumors and conjecture that you know people do use these kind of things, and there's not really much you can do about it. Really, mm, it's just yeah. not. It's a kind of like an unpoliced thing at the moment. Yeah. Performance How do you enforce drugs. it? Right. I mean, <laughs> show well, up at the house, give me a blood sample. Like yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, uh, I don't know. Have you Have you guys seen Aunt, Auntie Donna on Netflix? Set of curiosity. Absolutely no. brilliant series. But they 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 did a skit on kind of like you know, <laughs> someone coming in to test your your urine samples or stuff like just coming to your house. But I mean, it's it's conceivable that could happen. Um, but to be honest how do you how could you possibly police mm. a, a disparate demographic of players scattered all around the globe you know for drugs it's not possible what's better the best thing you possibly have is a policy saying we don't condone the use of copious amounts of cocaine before your matches <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> shut up <laughs> so, so one question that you know i'm sure people want to know in the chat as well like you know you, you know this outfit that you wear is something that you do wear at events you know like when you're at events oh, yeah. and stuff you wear this out <laughs> in public and, and probably people want to know and and certain i do as well what what's the reason behind it like what's the reason behind um you know not being uh open about your like true identity as it were oh let's see uh i guess the simplest answer is i just i'm just a private guy you know and it's way easier for someone to take you out if they know who you are and what your weaknesses (laughs) are so if nobody knows who i am and what my weaknesses are then i win you're suck it you're invulnerable (laughs) yeah i love it the thing is like i mean i I just want to ask another question like so i won't ask you about like laundering cycle or stuff like that (laughs) but do you have at least a backup to your to your garb like do you have a backup suit or is it just the one yep i have a couple of i have a couple of variants as well hold on i mean uh, so we've got we've got the classic gray. Um, we've so got work. classic red, and uh, we've got another red backup just in case. We also have a be haptic suit, and we have a fanny pack for all the accessories. I love that it's got little viper on it. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's no shortage of the of, of goodies. But um, yeah, no, I have a couple of suits, you know, because 
depending on how busy the schedule might be, I might need to swap out. Also, blood, that's really hard to get out, so you've got to put that straight in the wash and put on a fresh one. True, true. <laughs> so just sort of around this sort of segment up then, what's sort of popping off in the competitive scene right now in VR? Like, what, what would you say is, like, I know you mentioned uh, Grapple Tournament is something that you think is, like, a, an interesting upcoming title. Mm -hmm. uh, but anything else you think is, like, really popping off that people, like, should well, be looking into right now? I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say Pop 1 is really yeah. kind of, is really exploded this season i mean i myself when it launched put about 60 hours into it before i became immensely wow. bored but i mean a lot of people are still into it and still into the kind of the dopamine cycle that it creates with it's you know kind of like you know drip feeding hits um yeah. in terms of its competitive potential i think it's there i see vr respawn doing stuff with it and there's a lot of potential there um in general though what i see is you know with battle royale games is that 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 random number kind of generator element isn't really doesn't really lend itself to competitive experience as much plus i don't think they've gotten their they've i don't think the devs have really invested in a proper casting camera yet mm. um like it mm. just doesn't seem to be there so i mean i think it's got potential and i think it'd be really awesome if it happens um but it, it's not there yet i think they're, I they're busy a, making skins probably at this on point. the back of that with the casting camera this seems to be from the outsider's perspective something that You'd think if, if developers want their game to take off mm. in the esports scene, that this is like the most obvious yeah. thing yeah. that they need. G and give the tools when to anyone the pipes to up it. about yeah. it, yeah, when anyone pipes up about it, this seems to be like, this is the one thing we need. If you're going to give us something, give us this. But I still see games come out that seem to be targeting esports that launch with no camera. Yeah. So I don't understand. Do you have any insight into why they make the decision not to implement that? Is well, it really that difficult? I, I don't know if it's difficult, but every time I talk to a developer about this issue, they are, it just always seems like it's like, yeah, we were just trying to get the game to work first. You know, <laughs> like they don't yeah. build it from the ground up around around esports, even though they seem to have that in mind. Um, yeah. And I don't even necessarily think esports is something worth building your game around, especially on a, when you're already looking at a niche market. It's, I don't think it's good to target your game towards a niche within a niche. You know, I think the best thing to do is to make a fun, compelling experience that has replayability and build off it. Then, the, and the competitive scene will will grow around that organically. If it's not growing organically, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's like what Nathy always says. You know, it it's not the get the the developers that choose that it's a competitive game. It's the community that chooses whether it's a competitive game or not. You yeah. know, it's, it's all about the community. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, Population One has, has done so much and I think they've they've demonstrated that, that how to keep the game fresh, but you said that you're still a bit bored of it. And is it, is it just because of the core gameplay mechanics you're bored of? So Cause... when I initially beta tested it, um, I, I gave my feedback. It's like, I didn't like the, the simplified reloading mechanics. I yeah. didn't like, as you know, some of the more simplified, I suppose they dumbed down a lot of the gameplay, um, a lot of the VR experience to make it more accessible to new people. And eventually i to be honest i i changed my mind on it i did come around to think you know what actually i think that is the right way to do it if you want to make an accessible shooter that you know you know some five-year-old kid is gonna go oh fortnite and they're gonna pick up the quest and put it on and start playing it that's they nailed it they absolutely and, and i'm no disrespect to any players because i liked it like i like the experience all right you still feel satisfied reloading your gun you know, granted your ammo isn't on your body, but to be honest, that throws up that that's something that has I, issues with IK as it is anyway. So it, yeah. it was a, it was the right design choice the way they went about it. They made some shortcuts though with like scopes and stuff like that, which is what's kind of killed it for me because I'm a very I love to snipe. You know, mm -hmm. they also didn't add a melee mechanic in because I think they were just worried about you know people hitting their walls or something or I don't know maybe melee was too hard for them. But 
there was no so there's no physical kind of hitting anybody with so i can't stab anybody i can't snipe anybody you can see the issue already right well i don't know if you know <laughs> i don't know if you know but in their latest little uh, clip um they they showed a clip of like tagging like tagging a wall with like a, a team tag oh and um oh, and God, in yeah. in the uh in the wheel it had like a melee looking uh icon so maybe they are bringing melee combat to population <sighs> one um, do you mean graffiti mike when you said yeah tagging, yeah, or yeah, did you yeah mean like something a graffiti else? tag yeah like like the old counter-strike sprays yeah, yeah, like oh exactly. great now yeah. Same thing. yeah so to be honest right i saw that and i was just like oh my god these Asshole. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it, right? Like, because they honestly could be putting so much new content into the game, right? But the best they can do is just keep adding skins to get people to spend money on the game, which I get it. They want to make money and make fine, you know. But to be honest, I, I was worried when they initially introduced skins that their development cycle was going to start and the development of the game was going to start orientating around the sale of those skins. So mm. before you know it, the game isn't so much about adding substance and replayability and you know new content. It's just about selling you what's in the shop and getting you to yeah. buy into that kind of like that that whole ecosystem. Yeah. That's, That's what... exactly what I said a couple of months back, probably just yeah. nicely worded. Yeah, exactly. You're probably better articulating it than me because you know. No, no, I said you. Super you handsome Belgian did that person. A little bit better. But <laughs> the rest of us have to work with what we've got, okay? And some of us have an IQ in the single digits, so we're trying. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, so my my problem with that game is I think they they hit a winning, almost hit a perfectly winning form. They almost had it perfect if they just didn't screw up on the grenades because it's a simplified button click, which I think is just yeah. so weak. Scopes, which again. I think they just really just dropped the ball on that one. Um, and then, though I, I, to be honest, that's the only two real issues I have at the moment. I think yeah. the climbing and everything else they nailed. But those are the two big things. And also then no no real dedicated like, like uh, core server mode or server browser, dedicated server mode, mm -hmm. so that you can have a competitive scene in. Um, but I, I love that you say that, uh, Viper, because every time I talk about a server browser, I get shot down on places like Reddit, and they're like... The feck, you know, what age are you from? Like, how old do you have to be to want a server browser? Like, I just want a button. And it's like, no, I don't want a button. I want to, I want to pick what I join. Yeah, you see, I, listen, I can really, I like having a, if I, sometimes I'm on my lunch break. I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm just cleaning the blood off and I just want to go straight into a game. You know, that, there we go. Right. But there are times when you want a competitive, like, scene, you want to have custom matches. You need a server browser system. You need to be able to join a specific game with a password so you can get in there and, you know, compete. Yeah, on an organized level, but yeah, you know, Zim, I, 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 I do think you're pretty old, though. <laughs> one last, Son of a bitch. one last question there. One last question <laughs> for anyone that's kind of like wanting to get into the competitive scene. What's the best way for them to sort of get involved and and sort of integrate into that sort of community? Okay, so have you ever seen a rocky montage <laughs> um so i think the first place to start is is in discords like that's like you know you, like for example with onward or pablo you can join the discord you can immediately get talking to people um there's always teams recruiting there's always friendly people just looking to play sometimes it's as simple as just you meet someone in a game get talking add them to your steam friends list it's, you know say hey listen i was thinking you want to make a team we start you know playing league matches and stuff you know, like, oh, yeah, sure, let's do let's do it. And then that's how the best friendships are born, you know. So I would just say start with Discord, start with just people you meet that you like, start with friends, you know, and just go from there. It's, it Trust me, don't. I wouldn't go in to be like, I want to win lots of money because there is no money. <laughs> I'd be going into it because it's, it's something you enjoy. You enjoy a competitive kind of experience, a strategic experience, a more thoughtful experience, you know, and a more intense experience. Then find people you enjoy playing with, Can bring them together. 
assemble and go. Can you give us an example of what that would sound like from like a Rick and Morty's voice ex- uh, perspective? <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, Morty, just, you know, shove this up your ass and start playing video games. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, cool. Well, thank That's you very awesome. much. I, I really appreciate it, Viper. I think it's, it is interesting to get an insight into something because like, although we, we jump into Pop 1 and like Pop 1 has been one of my favorite games, certainly, um, you know, over the last few months, it's really interesting to see it from like a really super competitive scene. Uh, and whenever we've played together, you know, like Viper's just literally like carried everyone <laughs> in the game and we've all won and had a, such a great time. So it is a pleasure to, uh, to play with you and have you on the show as well. So I really appreciate it, dude. Real pleasure. This has been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've been wanting to come on this podcast and embarrass you guys for years. So. You, talk, you talked about <laughs> yeah. it at OC when we lot. met last time. You're like, I want to be your ambassador for the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is, this is, he's, he's giving me so much flack because of me wiping him up in, in Solaris, I think. But uh, <laughs> the thing that really uh, broke my heart is uh, we were we were meant to play on a couple of games and, and didn't really get much chance. Like Medal of Honor was the latest one. I, yeah. was, I so wanted us to play that together. But oh, it was a nightmare getting not to install. Like, But I mean, again, there's another game that was made by AAA studio i mean and it just mm, they, it's like they were just a bit behind what was kind of you know where we were at definitely definitely without doubt um okay well now let's move on to releases we've got a couple of interesting releases this week i think uh yeah Unlike normal weeks. You Unlike know, normal weeks. <laughs> so I'll, I'll cover off uh I, I picked two cherries out of the out of the cherry bush tree tree cherry tree Jerry's Get your hands out of my bush, Sim. <laughs> I'll try. It's so difficult. <laughs> so the first one is, as chat has been enjoying, they've been talking about this. Uh, there's a game called Warplanes, World War One Fighters. Um, thanks to Mike for picking this one up, uh, which was on SideQuest since uh, January 15th um, and is, is something that I'll say, if you're interested in the kind of cockpit-based flight sim, then don't get too concerned about what I'm showing you on screen at the minute, because that's the iPad version of this. This is a studio that has done a ton of sales on a variety of different types of games, but they've got about three different branched warplane games focusing on World One World One One fighters. Started off on iOS and Android. They've got a Switch build. This is now their side quest, so it's only available on Quest uh, build called World One Fighters. So the the, the tagline here being warplanes. Uh, you've got at the moment a free demo you can play. You can go over to itch.io um, and you can find this on SideQuest. You'll link you'll link it right there, and actually they've got a, a nice homepage that talks about all the games that this studio, HomeNet Games, a Polish studio, uh, have developed. This one features a number of classic World War One planes, and like you guys, I haven't memorized a whole ton of World War One planes. So let me tell you the planes that this has. They're great, absolutely beautiful. Right. So there's the Fokker E. One, there's the Fokker D8, there's the Fokker D8B, there's the Junkers D1, and there's the Fokker DRI. Uh, and that one is was was famously flown by the Red Baron. So if you want to play like you're the Red Baron, drop some bombs outside of your plane and uh, and and play with the yoke, uh, then then man, this uh, this this side quest game, beautiful. And if you, if you want to learn more about these planes, go watch the movie Meet the Fokkers. <laughs> 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 lame joke um, but I, I have to say like I, I've bought this game I haven't um, played it yet but uh, I really liked the fact that they integrated so well into itch.io on SideQuest so you yeah. can literally purchase this um, and then it like is instantly transferred and downloaded straight onto your Quest yeah. and then the whole process is super slick 
Um, so I was really impressed with that, but looking forward to checking that out uh, this week. So, yeah. So the price, because I didn't mention it yet, uh, $10 uh, for the game, which has like two campaigns in it. And uh, that's about eight pounds. As I mentioned, there's a free demo. And just be aware, if you're listening to this podcast in January, you may want to buy this now because as February comes along, they're going to up the price of the full game to $15. So 50% increase in price. Um, Aside from that, I would just mention the type of gameplay you can expect. You're facing off against enemy fighters. I think you would have expected that. You get to bomb strategic targets, destroy naval forces, protect your base and cities from bombing raids. So I think just in general, uh, if you're looking for uh, flight sim stuff, this is a nice way to jump in uh, with your quest. Again, you're going to need a PC or a laptop to be able to get the APK files over, but even the demo's available and gives you two levels to toy around with to see if you want to buy the full thing. Cool. There you go. Second one up today. All right. So this one, this one's really funny. Um, this game is called Right the Edge of Atlantis. Now, Mike recently tortured himself in um, Mist VR, oh, which landed recently back in December. Originally, this was meant to launch around that same time and is actually inspired by Mist. It's a VR adventure style puzzle game. So uh, you actually have this... Um, adventure and as i said it's it's very much a puzzle laden uh experience that you have mostly based in terms of like historical references so they've based a lot of the landscapes and the geometry that you see in greek aztec or egyptian elements Uh, throughout the course of the adventure the players will constantly have to weigh the consequences of their actions such as moral decisions quick wits and an eye for secrets will determine one of four distinct endings and the fate of both atlantis and the player. Uh, you get to wield supernatural powers, so this doesn't just get stuck in uh, kind of standard play. Um, and, and, and the purpose of the game is you're exploring, as you're exploring, you're trying to prevent the end of Atlantis. Seeing as they have three endings, I bet one of those is not a successful ending. Um, aside from that, I would just say from the trailer that we're running for our audio listeners, uh, they feature only teleport locomotion. There were no details that I could find that pointed to a smooth locomotion system, Although with some other puzzle games that I've played, that hasn't been a problem, but it is certainly my preference. Um, aside from that, there are complex mechanics to solve, challenging puzzles, and logic skills. Uh, so it's not all just physical based. Some of it is mental challenges as well, as you manipulate the environment to your advantage. Um, one other thing that the developers had said about Wright is that they have uh, spelled this out as kind of a single uh, continuous experience so you aren't loading levels and things like that. It's kind of an end-to-end journey Jeez, that you have. It, it sounds like a day at work, you know, it, like a heavy mental experience. You need to solve logical puzzles. Is, okay, is Rowdy, stop rubbing it in that you have an, like an intensive job mentally and stuff. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so this is dropping on the 27th of Jan. I don't have a price on it. It'll be available for Steam PC VR. Uh, this is from... Oh my God, help me here. Um, <clears throat> the developer is called... Or at Chalcom Pictures. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And that is it. That's your two releases of the week. Uh, Warplanes, World War One Fighters, Right, The Eye of Atlantis. Looks like a teleport-based puzzle uh, game. That's what we have to look forward to in the next week. And Gorn. Nice. Gorn. Gorn is coming to Quest oh, yeah. on the 28th of June, so don't forget that. It's uh, Thursday, so that'll be fun oh, if you yeah. want to destroy your house like we talked about on last week's show. 
Oh God, um, yes. So yeah, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder that this is a weekly VR, AR, NMR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. The show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. Also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. Hit the like button if you enjoyed the show and had fun, especially with our guest, Viper. So thank you to him for joining us. Shout really... out to mom, dad, and Mike Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and also thanks to Synth Riders for sponsoring this episode of the show. We'll, of course, be back on next week's show. And I think Nathan will be back then as well. So if you've missed him, he will be back from his holiday. But until then, have a great week in VR. Take care and bye-bye for now. See you later.